please, uh, if you have your Bible, please open to Romans uh, chapter 10 with us this morning. Romans chapter 10 will be our, our text for this morning. I'm, I'm very excited to open uh, God's Word and, and for us to walk through it uh, together and to, to think upon it and meditate upon it uh, this morning. But I, I just feel like I have to stop first and, and just uh, thank our worship team. Right, we, we're so blessed here at Lakeside Bible Church. I feel like even that, that last song, which is kind of a new song that we've begun to do, that, that's a song I need to sing, but probably wouldn't necessarily choose to sing on my own. Right, that's not the come into church, happy, feel good, kind of emotional song, singing about there's beauty in our tears, singing about the valleys. Right, those, are, those are things that I don't necessarily want to sing about myself, but I, I need to sing about and I need to be reminded of God's goodness and his sovereignty, even in the midst of hardship. Right, so I'm thankful that we have a, a worship pastor, right? Because my heart needs to be pastored. My heart needs to be shepherded even as I worship. So please, if you, if you see Blake in the halls afterwards, please just thank him for the excellent job that he does week in and week out, just shepherding our souls as we sing out in praise uh, to the Lord. Well, I, I'm so excited to open God's Word, and I, I even thank Pastor Ken for being gracious to give me the opportunity to preach and to preach this Sunday, where I, I feel like every time I, I, I go to a camp, and it, it, those are always exhausting weekends, but weekends in which you see God's grace just be manifested in very clear and powerful ways. I feel like I've come back pumped up from camp, right? Like I'm just like a little junior higher, right? When I'm pumped up after camp, right? Because I've seen of what God's done, and even as we as a staff and as a team have been working and planning towards winter camp and praying uh, to see all that God did has just, has just brought great delight and great joy to our hearts. Like serving in student ministry is an exciting place to be right now for all that God is doing, just the ways that God is showing his glory and his grace. And I, and I feel like my heart to preach this passage has even been stirred up uh, because of spending time with my brother. My brother Bobby was our, our camp speaker, and I, I was just so encouraged at the way God used him to make God's word uh, just abundantly clear. And he, he presented it in a powerful way as it was meant to be presented. And, uh, and just getting to spend time with me, I feel like, uh, or feel time with him, like really pumped me up. Because my brother, he's an evangelist, right? He has a heart to see lost people around him come to know Jesus Christ, and to even to see that heart overflow in his preaching of the gospel this weekend that resulted in some of our own students, right, placing their faith in Christ and repenting of their sins for the, for the first time truly this weekend. It just got me fired up, right? It's got me fired up at what God's able to do, and it's got me fired up for more, right? So I, I would like us to turn and let's read. Uh, primarily, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16. So grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we, we've always got Bibles in the back where you can Snuggle up to the person next to you and look, at, look on their copy of God's word. But let's read verses 13 through 16 uh, this morning as we turn to God's word. Paul writes, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, this, this may be a passage that, that many of us are, are familiar with, that we've, we've heard about before. And, it, and in some ways, it's a, we're parachuting into a very deep waters here in the book of Romans. But in, in some ways, this passage is, is fairly straightforward, right? That, that Paul in verse 13 kind of gives a summary statement to what he's been addressing before of, of the nation of Israel and how, how they're not saved and how the gospel is now spreading to the Gentiles, which the Jews were not so excited about. And Paul is defending that and basically has this great and glorious summary statement here, verse, th- verse 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a glorious verse. Right? What a glorious statement, right? That there is the possibility for salvation to happen for sinners such as you and me. Right? And we're going we're gonna to see the joy of that this morning. But in the next few verses, in verses 14 through 16, Paul basically asks a series of rhetorical questions that lay out the prerequisites for someone calling upon the name of the Lord. That he's sharing this excitement that if someone is brought to the place where they call upon the name of the Lord, that they will be saved. But he says that's not going to happen unless some other things are to happen 
first, right? How, how are they, verse 14, going to call on him in whom they haven't believed? If they don't believe about Jesus, if they, don't, if they haven't been moved to, to know that he's, he's real and true and what he did on the cross is effective, they're, they're not going to call on him. How are they going to believe in him if they've never heard about it? How are they going to believe in him unless someone has, has communicated this good news about Jesus Christ to them? And how are they going to hear, right, unless there's someone proclaiming it, preaching it? Right? How are they going to hear about it unless someone is preaching? And how is there going to be someone preaching unless they are sent? Right? That basically Paul lays out for us that there's these things that if, if, if people are going to call upon the name of the Lord and are going to get saved, there's always going to be things that happen that precede that. There's always going to be things that happen first. And so from this, from this text this morning, I'd like us to see four implications. If you're taking notes, if you grabbed a note sheet from the back, the first implication is that the need for salvation is great. The need for salvation is great, right? What a glorious verse that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that presumes, that basically builds off of all that Paul has been sharing so far in the letter that people need to be saved. Turn back to Romans chapter 1 with me ever so briefly, right? We see that in Romans chapter 1 in verse 18, as Paul looks at, at the landscape of his culture and his day, which is not too different from the landscape of our culture and our day, Paul says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Right? And that's, that's, that's characteristic of all of us, right? That our world today is, is unrighteous, ungodly and wants to suppress the truth about God because they want to live for themselves, right? People in our world today, they want to be, they don't want a God who's going to rule them. They want to be their own God. They want to be the one in control of their life. And unless we think that we, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to us, turn over to Romans chapter three, right? Paul, Paul, Paul brings us all low before, before Christ. In verse, verse 10, Paul writes, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Right? Very popular today, find a Bible verse and insert your name into it, personalize it. Probably not a lot of people saying, hey, put your name in this Bible verse. Right? Personalize this Bible verse. No, you are not good, right? Even if you're better than some other people, no one meets the standard of God's perfect righteousness except for his son, Jesus Christ. Right? That Paul's basically writing what he's writing here in verses 14 through 16 of chapter 10 because the, the need for salvation is great because it's a non-Christian world that we live in. Right? The need for salvation is great because this world is opposed to the Lord, right? And, and we could say of us today that we live in a primarily, this might be controversial, but we live in a primarily non-Christian nation. Right? Our nation may have been founded on some Christian principles and, and some Christian morality, but today as we look at our nation, we're a non-Christian nation. We're a nation that is hostile to the Lord. We are a nation that hates God. We are a nation that loves ourselves and does not love the Lord. And we could say of ourselves, even here in Texas, that we live in a primarily non-Christian state. Whoa, don't mess with Texas, okay? But that, I, I would say that, right? And we could even say here in Montgomery County that we live in a primarily non-Christian county, right? There, there's, many, there's many churches, right? As my, I pick my brother up from the airport and we're driving up 45 and hanging the left on 105, we just see churches all over the place. But, but I wonder if we look at our area, has, has the gospel permeated uh, Montgomery County so much that you can't go to a restaurant without overhearing another conversation? It's about Jesus. And it's, about, it's about God's word. Uh, have, has the gospel come to Montgomery County in such a way that people are so eager to live for the Lord and to, to, to avoid drunkenness that like liquor stores don't even exist in Montgomery County because... People want to people live for the Lord so much, they want to avoid drunkenness so much that they have no desire to go to specs and get drunk at night. Do we see marriages that are so impacted by Christ's love for his church that they're thriving and flourishing? And one of the things I, I was, you know, in some ways caught back by, but I, I probably shouldn't have been, was as I've gotten into student ministry, 
right? I'm talking with students about Montgomery Junior High and Montgomery High School. I, you know, I, I've heard from multiple students that drug use is rampant, right? At Montgomery Junior High and Montgomery High School. One student told me, hey, everybody is doing it at Montgomery Junior High and Montgomery High School. Whoa, in the Bible Belt, everybody. Right? That's, that's the perception that some students have that, 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 that drug use is so pervasive on our public school campuses right? that that's, that's where we live. Right? We live in a non-Christian place. Right? And the need for salvation is great. Right? People in our area right here in Montgomery County need to be saved. They need to be saved. And, and the need for salvation is great, even here in particular, right? Because there are many who I, I would like to almost kind of say that there are many in Montgomery County who are almost a Christian, right? Look at what Paul says in verse 2. He's talking about the nation of Israel. He says, for I bear them, uh, verse 2 of chapter 10, he says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, right? Couldn't we say that that characterizes so many people and so many churches in in our area, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness, right? Isn't that the case in, in many churches today in America, many churches even here in Texas, maybe many churches even here in the greater Houston area, right? That going to church is, is not, is, the gospel is not being preached, right? The, 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 the news that, that no, not one is righteous, Romans 3 doesn't come up. In, in a lot of churches in our, in our nation today, right? That basically the message is you're, you're good enough, right? Or maybe, maybe you just need a little push, right? Maybe, maybe you just need an inspirational figure to kind of be there to kind of, but you're mostly there already. You're okay. Nothing's wrong with you, right? In Romans 10, 13, even this verse that we're looking at, this might be a, a very misunderstood and misapplied verse among churches today, right? That people think, I, I went to a rally or I went to some big emotional thing and, and I felt some emotions and somebody just, you know, mouthed some words to a prayer and they asked me to repeat it and I, and I did. And though, even though my life looks nothing like the life of a Christian right now, I'm, I'm holding on to that, to that experience and that emotion that I felt right then or I'm hanging on to that, that, that thing that I prayed by my bedside when I was six, even though I, I haven't lived for the Lord for years and years and years of my life, right? That, 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 that might be our definition of what it means to call upon the name of the Lord, right? To, to recite a quick prayer, to kind of give, you know, some sort of, okay, it makes me feel a little bit better to do this, but that's not God's definition of what it means to call upon the name of the Lord. We could spend hours going back to ver- just verse nine, right? We won't, we'll just touch on it briefly this morning, but he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? Back in those days, confessing Jesus as Lord had a substantial cost associated with it, right? You're a Jewish person, right? You confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you get put out of the synagogue, right? You get, you get ostracized from the center of life, right? You, you might even lose your job, right? All of your customers that came to you to buy things now may be going to someone else to buy things because you have confessed Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Here in America, here in Montgomery County, right? If you say to someone else, I'm a Christian, they'll be like, bless you, right? Like, They'll, they'll be excited about that, right? No, very few people are going to look down on you in America, in Montgomery County today, because you confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, right? There's, there's no cost associated with that. And this, basically, we're saying that when I confess Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm saying I'm done living for me. I'm done being in the driver's seat of my own life, that I've given control of my life to Jesus Christ. And he says, and, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This isn't just some sort of mental ascent saying, okay, I believe that Jesus was really a real person and he really came to earth and he died on the cross and he rose again. I believe that's true. It's really a transfer of your trust, right? It's, it's you looking like Israel didn't look at themselves and they're saying, hey, I've got no righteousness of my own and I need to put my trust completely in, in true righteousness, right? That, that, God, that God declared Jesus Christ to be his son and the Messiah by his resurrection, right? That, that Christ proved that he had conquered sin and death for all who would trust in him by his resurrection, right? So basically, God, God has said that to call upon the name of the Lord is to, is to repent, is to believe, right? As Jesus would say in Mark 1.15, right? That the gospel is here, repent and believe. Right? That, that's so confusing in a lot of churches. Even in a lot of churches, there isn't this basic fundamental clarity 
on the response that God requires to the gospel. Right? And that's, that's even possibly the case in our own church. Right? That some of us, right, we've, we've come to church for a number of years and we've, we've heard sermons, but, but maybe even there's some of us that rather than trusting in Christ's righteousness, we're still relying on our own. There, there's a young man in our church that um, this was true of recently who got saved. That We, we actually want to show you a video of his, of his testimony right now. Hi, I'm Dylan Linton, and I've been coming to Lakeside Bible Church for almost five years. I was born and raised in, uh, in the church. Uh, I thought it was good to go. Um, I lived a good life. When I was 15, I started getting extreme headaches um, for about seven months every day. We uh, ran some tests, and one of those was an MRI, which showed uh, a cancerous tumor. You know, through, through the trials of, of, of my treatments, um, I knew that Christ had intended for those trials to, to grow me closer to Him, um, but I searched for uh, happiness in my sin and not in God. After a couple of years, uh, the doctors ran more scans um, and they uh, pronounced me clear of cancer um, and just receiving this information I was overjoyed. For the next couple of years I just was living a what you would call a Christian life. I was serving in the church. I was going to church every every Sunday and Wednesday and um, I just was doing what I thought I was supposed to do. I found a, a sin in my life um, a pattern of sin, a pattern of unrepentant sin. Um, I was sorrowed over it, but I felt powerless to defeat it. I felt, I found that I would act one way in front of my church friends, but a completely different way in front of my non-church friends. As I noticed these things, um, and talking through them with my parents and with my youth pastor and other um, people's counsel, uh, I would feel better for a short time, um, but just noticed over overall not seeing any change. Through it all, it's just I was trying to figure out how I could break these chains on my own. After that period of struggle, um, there was one night where I was serving on the sound booth for a baptism. As I was listening to the testimonies that night, uh, I felt very out of place. As we were eating dinner afterwards, um, one of my pastors and friends could tell that my, I had concern and that my heart was heavy. As we were sitting there eating and talking, the Spirit of the Lord just convicted me and, and showed me that I wasn't His child. Leaving the baptism service that night um, on the ride home, just thinking about all that we talked about and uh, just listening to a, um, praise and worship music, it, it, I broke. My spirit broke, my heart broke, that I had not been living for the Lord my entire life. And I gave it up to Him. At that moment, I was overwhelmed with joy. <laughs> I just started bawling. Uh, my eyes filled with tears as I was driving. It was amazing. Uh, the Lord had taken my burden away from me, and I felt tremendous joy. After that night, I just realized that up until that point, I was almost a Christian. Even if you would have asked anybody around me, they would have said, yeah, I believe he's a Christian. You know, I said all the right things, I did all the right things, 
but yet I wasn't right. But because of God's great love, He granted me repentance and He forgave me of my filthy rags of sin and what I thought were my good works that might have brought me to heaven. He just abolished that and He showed me that it's only through Him. I thank God that He opened up my eyes to show me that I wasn't quite there and that He brought me all the way. My name is Dylan Linton and I was almost a Christian. Well, that's a, that's a powerful testimony. We showed that about a month ago at our, our college retreat. That was the theme of, of our weekend, right? That we wanted to make sure that each of us, as 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. And I, and I hope you realize that we live in a non-Christian area. Even people who go to church aren't necessarily saved. And some people even, even here, right? The need for salvation is great, right? That's the heart out of which Paul writes this passage. That's our first implication. The second implication that we'll see this morning is that the gospel needs to be articulated. The gospel needs to be articulated, right? Look at, what, look at how Paul writes. He says... How will they call on them in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard, right? If, if people don't hear the good news about Jesus, if they don't have it communicated to them, they're not going to believe in him and they're not going to call upon him and they're not going to be saved, right? It's like this progression, right? That if that doesn't happen, it's not going to lead to the end result of salvation. And how are they going to hear about him? Is it, is it just through some vibes or some kind of experience of a, of a worship time uh, together? Well, he says, that it's, how are they going to hear unless they have someone preaching, right? That someone, they actually have to have the gospel communicated and proclaimed to him, right? That this good news about Jesus Christ has to be made known to other people, right? And this, this good news is that Jesus came to save sinners, right? That he was God and man, that he came to earth and lived the perfect life that, that none of us were able to live in our, own, in our own strength. And he died on the cross to take the wrath of God on, on him, right? That God poured out his wrath on his own son so that sinners like you and I could be offered grace and offered mercy. And then he didn't stay dead. He rose and he conquered sin and death. And now he has ascended and is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for his people, right? If you were to go to someone in Montgomery County and share that today, probably the response you would get would be, that's nice, right? That's nice, right? Uh, yeah, great, great, Jesus. Uh, yeah, that's great. But, but why the big deal about Jesus, I doubt very highly that most people in Montgomery County realize their need for such a savior as Jesus is. Right? That if, if, if God wants the gospel to be articulated, it's got to be articulated in its, in its full form. Right? That even as we talk about Jesus, that one of the things we need to talk about is, is how people need Jesus, right? how they're sinners. Right? We need to take people to Romans chapter 3 and help them to see that, that none, is, none is righteous, not even them. Right? They may think that they are better than other people. They may think that they live a good life, but no one is righteous. Right? Another famous verse in Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and what? You guys know it. Fallen short of the glory of God, right? That, that basically even there, right, we help people to see that, that they've sinned. They've broken God's commandments and his standard of righteousness. They have not measured up to it. And some people, that might be hard for them to see, but we help them to see that they've fallen short of giving God the glory that he deserves in their life. That God created them. Yes, there is a creator. Sorry, Bill Nye, right? There is a creator, right? That God created us to be all about him, right? To live for his glory, to live for his renown, for, the, for his name being, being made known. And each and every one of us, as Romans 3 says, has turned aside. We've fallen short of that. We, we've not been about God. We've not lived our lives for him. We've lived our lives for ourselves, Right, that each and every one of us have done that, right? And we have to, be able to, we have to help people to understand that, that, that God is not just this nice, grandfatherly, Santa-type figure out there in heaven somewhere, that, that God is the creator, right? That he has rights over his creation, right? As the creator, that, that he is loving, but he's also holy. God hates sin. 
And God is just. He, he cannot abide by sin. He cannot let sinners go unpunished. He can't let people who treat himself as worthless escape. Right? That God will pour out his judgment on all those who turn aside, all those who turn away from the Lord. And that's all of us. Right? It's when we paint this bleak picture of what we're really like in our sins that then the gospel, this good news about Jesus Christ, can be made known. That we have to help people understand there's a response. Right, You have to call upon the name of the Lord. And people are confused about that. Oh, I just need to pray a quick prayer, but really I'm still going to be in control of my life. No, you have to repent. You have to give up control of your life to the Lord. You have to commit to live your life for him, to, to stop pursuing your sin and to start living for Jesus Christ. Right, that you've got to transfer your trust. You can't be thinking, okay, well, well God will get me 90% of the way there, and I'll do the other 10, and it'll be kind of this, you know, I'll, we'll go halvesies kind of thing. Right? No, I've, I've got to be completely trusting in Christ, right? That, that Jesus would have us call people to count the cost, right? Here in Houston, we've got people proclaiming that becoming a Christian just makes your life easy and fun, right? You're going to be healthy. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to be able to live your best life now, right? The gospel that we proclaim is not that. Right? Jesus says, hey, if you become a Christian, people are going to hate you. People are going to say all kinds of false things about you on my sake. Right? They're going to persecute you just like they persecuted me. And your best life is not going to be now. It's going to be later when you're with God forever in heaven, right? where sin has been completely put away. Right? And we live for God righteously as we were intended to do. Right? The gospel needs to be articulated. We have to use words to make this message about Jesus Christ known. That has to be communicated. It has to be proclaimed, right? Our third implication, right, is that God has commissioned his people to articulate the gospel to others, right? They need to hear it. They need to hear this message, and they're not going to hear it unless someone is preaching it to them. Now, I don't know if you hear that verse and you think, okay, Billy's preaching to himself, and Pastor Ken and Blake and Maybe the elders and a few Sunday school teachers, right? Like those people who can do uh, the category of what we, we would call preaching, right? Uh, I'm not a preacher. That's not, that's not for me. But, but really, in some senses, it, it is for you, right? The same word, right, that's really meant to say proclaim or proclaim as a herald or make known, right? The same word, I don't know if you guys remember the story of, of Jesus, right? And he heals the man who has like a legion of demons inhabiting him. You guys remember that, that story? Right, and uh, you know, he casts the demons out into the pigs, and they all run down the you know, deviled ham, and they all run down the, the bank and kill themselves and stuff like that. And afterwards, there's this guy that's been this crazy guy out, out in the tombs, out in the, out in the, the rocks, you know, hurting people, and they can't, he can't be subdued. He's sitting there calm and in his right mind, and he's wanting to go with Jesus. He says, yeah, I want to go with you in Mark 5. And Jesus says to him, no, I'm not going to allow you to come with me. I want you to stay and go back to your home, this area of 10 cities called the Decapolis, and there preach all of what God has done for you. This guy isn't an apostle. He's not necessarily a pastor. But yet Jesus tells him, you can proclaim this good news of what I've done for you. All right, in 2 Corinthians 5, right, Paul writes, he says, that we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And God has given us, all those who have been reconciled, the ministry of reconciliation. That we're actually ambassadors for the Lord. That God is going to be making his appeal, not just through the pastors, not just through the elders, but through all of us. Right? That we are ambassadors for the Lord. Right? We might not be able to get up here and necessarily preach a, preach a sermon. Right? But if we know the gospel well enough for it to save us, we should know the gospel well enough to co- communicate it simply to someone else. So if I were, if I were to like, grab this microphone right now and I were to come down off the stage and I were to go up to one of you and I were to hand you the microphone, I would say, hey, we need the gospel to be made clear in just a few minutes. Could you take it from here? I'm gonna put this microphone in your hand and some of you guys are starting to squirm right now and you're thinking, okay, this guy, I know this guy's the youth pastor, but how crazy is he really? I mean, I know Ken's gone and everything, right? But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. But think about, would you be able to do that, right? If someone were to give you five minutes of their time, would you be able to explain the gospel to them? It may be a, a sad reflection on many of us, right, that we, we proclaim that the gospel has saved us and we love Jesus Christ, but yet uh, even just to be able to explain the gospel very simply would be a struggle for us, right? And, and we have to realize that salvation is needed and desperately needed and it's not going to happen if the people of God do nothing. 
right? If we say, hey, we're, we're not going to be about making this good news known to other people. Right? The good news from, from this place of Lakeside Bible Church should be ringing forth in our city, in our county, right? Not just to unreached people groups, which, which praise God, we're sending the gospel to, to China and to Uganda and to Peru and many other places throughout our world where there's a desperate need as well. But there's also a desperate need here in Montgomery, Montgomery County. And God has put Lakeside Bible Church here in Montgomery County. Right? Like, I, I, as I jump into student ministries, right, I, we've got a heart, and you can pray for us. Right? We're praying that God would make a substantial impact on Montgomery Junior High, and Montgomery High School, and Conroe High School, and Willis High School, and all the high schools around here. Right? We're, praying, we're praying for that. But, but I've realized that you know, some old guy who's preaching a gospel of repentance and sin, people don't want that on public school campuses. Right? I am, I, there's actually barriers to me going and preaching on a public school campus. But, but you know who has no barriers to going and preaching on a public school campus? The students who go there, who live there, who are in classes with other students. Right? I, I, Pastor Ken and I, we don't go to your work every day. But you know who God has sent to, to your workplace to be a light for him? You. Right? And we don't live in, in your house, right? the pastors and elders. We don't, we're not in your cul-de-sac or on your street every day. But you know who God has put there? You, if you're a believer. God has put Lakeside Bible Church here in Montgomery County to see the gospel ring out, to articulate the gospel, to be, to be making it known, right? And we've got to realize that as we think about doing outreach events, right, like our Fall Family Fest, right? Praise God for our Fall Family Fest, for an opportunity for us to show love to our community, to say, hey, we want to open our doors and invite you in on a cold and rainy night, right, to, to play some fun games and get, get candy. Who doesn't like candy, right? Like, and we want to show love to your kids, but we've got to realize that that's only one step towards making the gospel known, right? That if people just feel some love, but we never actually, like, get in contact with them, if we're not, like, initiating a relationship with which we're, we're getting their contact information, we're saying, hey, let's, let's, I'd love to grab lunch and just get to know you sometime, right? I'd love to, we'd love to have you and your family over, over for dinner to our house, right? To where we're working towards the point where we can actually articulate the gospel, right? Then it's not really evangelism, right? It's not really making the gospel known. It's not articulating the gospel unless we're actually telling people about Jesus Christ and how they can be saved through him. Right? That's our third implication. The fourth implication is that we can have great confidence in the gospel. We can have great confidence in the gospel. Right? Romans 10, 13, right? What a, what a glorious verse, right? The assumption is that, that hey, this is not going to happen without all these things happening before it. But if all these things are happening, that we should expect that people will be calling upon the name of the Lord and people will be getting saved. If you turn back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to hide it under a bush, oh no, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, right? That, that basically, God has infused this message about his son with power, right? The power is not in you and, and how articulate you are or how well-spoken you are. You might be a plain-spoken person. That's not the issue. The issue isn't how good of a debater you are. The issue isn't like how, how much you can grab someone's attention, right? The issue is, are you able to articulate the gospel? The gospel is what God has put the power in, not, not us, Right? God hasn't put the power in me or Ken or, or any of us here at, here at Lakeside Bible Church. God has infused this message of good news about his son with power that will result in salvation. Now, everybody that we preach to the gospel to might not necessarily get saved, but some will. Right? I, I think about Paul and the encouragement that he must have had in Acts 18 in, in Corinth, right, where, where God's telling him, hey, don't, don't give up. Don't, don't, don't pack it in. Don't, don't be afraid for I have many people in this city. I wonder what God is saying about Montgomery County. Right? I've got many people, and I've put someone from Lakeside Bible Church right next to them. Right? They live right next door to them. They go, they go to the same class as them. They go to the same workplace as them. Their kids are on the same sports teams as them so that we would articulate the gospel to them, and maybe, maybe, maybe they will be one that God has chosen to be saved. The gospel is the only thing that, that works, right? Our four implications, right? That the need for salvation is great. The gospel has to be articulated. God wants us as his people, as his church, to be the ones who proclaim it, who make it known in our city. 
And we can have great confidence that God is going to use the gospel. Now, now maybe, okay, so those are four implications, four things we can derive from this text. But what does God want us to do? How does God want this text to shape our lives as we think about the week ahead? Right? Maybe, maybe there's three different areas of, of application. And, and one is that, is that we need to be prepared. Right? If God has called us to articulate the gospel, we need to be prepared to do it. And there's probably a, a, a number of steps in that to be prepared to share the gospel. One might be that, that we need to be humbled. Right? One might be that we see that, hey, God has given us this part of being a Christian is making God known, right? That he's actually put us in the role of being his ambassador, right? Second Corinthians 5 says, but if an ambassador never delivers the messages that he was sent to the foreign country to deliver, what, what kind of an ambassador is he? It would be like me saying I'm an Olympic figure skater, right? The Winter Olympics are going on right now. It'd be like me saying that I, I view myself as an Olympic figure skater because I can skate backwards a little bit and because I can kind of do some of these moves like they do, right? And, and, and because, I can, because I can do a few spins and everything, although I, I've never even really attempted a jump, right? Like I've never even attempted a, a single axle, much less like a triple axle, you know, double toe kind of combination, right? That those guys, are, you guys are impressed that I knew those some of you guys are a little bit worried about me, I'm sure. Um, but that's, that's what it's like. It's like saying, hey, I think of myself as this Olympic figure skater when there's uh, part of the basic parts of doing figure skating that I haven't even attempted yet. Right? So maybe some of us, right, we've got so much to praise the Lord about what God has done in our lives and to thank God for. But maybe even this morning, God is putting before you an area where he says, hey, you need to grow. Right? And, I, and I, I preach this message not because I feel like I'm the, the pinnacle of evangelism, but because I, I feel like I need to hear this message. I need to grow. I, I'm begging God to grow my, my heart and my compassion for the lost and my zeal to spread the good news about Jesus Christ. Right? We, all, we all need this. And we as a church right, need, need to realize that we as a church have room to grow. When I, when I called Ken Ramey one year ago, Right, and we were talking on the phone about Lakeside Bible Church, right? And we were trying to figure out if it would be God's will for Corey and I to move here. I, I asked Pastor Ken, I said, hey, hey, Pastor Ken, if there's one area um, that kind of rises to the, the top in your mind that, that maybe Lakeside Bible Church isn't as good as other areas, what would that be? And he, and he said it's local evangelism. Right? That this is something our, our lead pastor realizes that we need to grow in as a church, and we want, we want to grow in. Right? And, I, and I hope that, you know, really what we should pray for and, and be excited about is baptisms, right? We, we announced, hey, a baptism class is coming up. We got a baptism night, right? And I, and I hope that we continue to hear testimonies of those who were in our church and thought they were saved. And, and God, God, God brings their, their realization to the fact that they're not saved and they're giving testimony. Praise the Lord for those testimonies, right? And I, and I hope we continue to see people who, who got saved a number of years ago, but maybe they were, there was confusion about baptism and they were baptized as a kid and they've never taken that, that next step of obedience and actually been baptized after they've been saved, right? Maybe they were baptized before they were saved, but, but not after, right? I hope we continue to see those. But I, my prayer and my hope is that as we come to baptisms in the upcoming months and years, that we see people that say, hey, I was just a non-believer, I was just a person living for my sin, living for myself in Walden neighborhood until someone from Lakeside Bible Church told me about Jesus right? and, and helped me to see that I was a sinner and, and, and unfolded for me the way I could be saved through Jesus Christ. I, I hope that we see people that maybe they're going to a, another church that it's, it's just feel good and, and there's no real gospel being proclaimed at the church. And they say, I praise God that God sent me someone from Lakeside Bible Church to explain to me the way of God more accurately. Right, that they really, they really helped me to see that I was a sinner when my church was preaching that I'm a good person. I, I pray that we see those kind of testimonies, that we see God at work in, in that kind of way, that it's not just, hey, our church is growing because other like-minded people are moving to our area. We praise God for that. But my prayer is that we see people who are not saved, who are blatantly non-Christian, come to faith in Christ as we share the gospel about him, right? We, need, we might need to be humbled, right? Uh, the second thing that we might need to do is we need to say, okay, if God wants us to do this, but yet we don't see that we're actually doing this, what might be some of the barriers? What might be some of the things that are impeding us in sharing the gospel? Right? As I talk to people, the number one answer I get from people is, I, I wouldn't know what to say. 
All right, and, that, and that's okay, right? Like many of us are at that spot, right? As I, as I went down, you were like, man, I'm never sitting in the front again if he's gonna put a microphone in my hand and ask me to share the gospel with someone else. Where's the back row? How can I get there fast enough, right? Um, but here's the thing, right? Is that if that's where you're at, practice that, right? You, you can grow in your ability to communicate the gospel, right? It, we can train you how to do that. God has sent pastors to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? If you feel like you don't know how to share the gospel, come talk to me, and I'll talk through that with you. We'll, we'll work on that together. We'll practice that together in grow groups, right? We've got these grow groups where we meet and we apply the sermon. Maybe some of us, were going through another book of the Bible. Maybe even this week, we need to put a pause on that, and we need to work through the gospel as a group, right? We need to break up into, like, groups of two or three people within our grow group and say, hey, if someone gave you five minutes of their time, how would you explain the gospel? Go. Like, like say what you would actually say to them, right? That's going to be a helpful exercise where we're going to realize, whoa, I, I totally forgot t- talking about God, right? I didn't talk about, I just talked about, well, I didn't talk about God's holiness, right? Or, or maybe I didn't explain this, right? That that's going to be a helpful thing for us to do and work through together in community, right? That we can practice that with, with our grow group, right? We can practice that, grab someone else, even here, go to lunch with someone else and, and, and share the gospel with each other, right? Say, okay, your turn, boom, my turn, boom. And, and give each other feedback, give each other, give each other constructive criticism, right? That, hey, uh, you, you didn't really talk about sin at all, right? Probably people are not, not going to be very interested in a Savior if they don't think they're sinners, right? That's what we need, right? We need to be working through this and fleshing this out together, right? Another barrier might be that as some of us, as, as we look at our, the world around us and our eyes are open and we see that it's a wicked world, and, and our response to that has, has been one of insulation rather than infiltration, Right, that we say, hey, I do not want to be like the world. I want to be holy. I want to be set apart. And that, that is very good. But there can be a way in which we kind of, we kind of view our main goal as protection right, fr- from the world rather than viewing us as, as the lights right, that God says of his people, you are the light of the world. Right? That we need to be viewing ourselves as, hey, God has given us this message that can bring us from the darkness into the light. And I want to go into this dark world with this message. Right? Maybe some of us, are, our mindset has even been, hey, we, we want to just huddle together and, and protect ourselves and not really interact with very many unbelievers, and, and that's what we want to do. Right? If God had wanted to protect us from, from, from non-believers, he would have brought us to heaven. Right? But God has left us here. The reason that Jesus Christ has not come back yet is so that more people can hear the good news about Jesus Christ. So that we can be in the world, not of the world, not like the world, not trying to form ourselves into their mold, but living in the world as different people who have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe another barrier is fear of man rather than fear of God, that you're afraid of what someone's going to think of you. Or maybe you need to spend some time over the next few weeks studying, studying the fear of the Lord, right? That, hey, we don't want to just be afraid of people, that the worst thing they can do to us is kill us. We want to fear the Lord who can kill us and send us to hell forever, to the second death for eternity, Right? Maybe some of us, we don't share the gospel because we're just selfish. Right? That we've got no time for evangelism because we're too busy with our own entertainment, with our, with our own hobbies. Right? I'm, I'm trying to talk through this with our, our young men in our college group where I'm saying, hey, if, if, you, if, if evangelism isn't a part of your lifestyle, if it's not part of, of, of what you're about as God's person, right? but yet you're playing video games, yet you're watching movies, right? like the video games and the movies need to go. Right? Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with watching a movie or playing a video game, but you can't let what God wants you to do and who God wants you to be be choked out by, by entertainment and by our own fun, by our own pleasure, that really we could be living. We've settled down here in Montgomery County. We're playing golf all the time, but yet evangelism never crosses our mind. Right? Making Christ known never crosses our mind. Right? This is something that as we, as we apply this, we want to we prepare. We want to be ready to share the gospel, right? That, that really I could come to you at any moment and I could say, hey, share the gospel with me and, and you're ready. It's not like you would be speaking in a foreign language where you'd have to pull out your kind of like guidebook and say, donde esta el, el baño, right? Like that really like we should, like the gospel should be our first language, right? That we're so familiar with it that it'd be like when we go to another country, it's like, whoa, they talk so fast here. Right? That when we go to Honduras, it's like, how do they talk so fast? Right? And that's the same thing that they think about us. Right? That we're, we're so ready to go with the gospel that at any point right, that God brings that opportunity of that conversation up, boom, we are ready to communicate. Right? We've, got to, we've got to prepare for that, and we've got a plan. We've got a plan. Right? I, I want you, right, if you're a believer, to go home and this week write down a list of the non-believers 
that are already in your life right now. Right? Maybe non-believers at your workplace. Maybe non-believers uh, who are fellow parents of your, of your kids. Right? You guys do school activities or you know, sports activities together. Or people that live in your neighborhood around you. Write down a list of those people. And, and, and realize that as you do that, that hopefully God's going to be working on your heart to think, evangelism, that person. I need to be talking to that person. That specific person right there about the gospel, or someone in my extended family. Maybe we're getting together at some point. I want to be praying that God would open up an opportunity for me to make Christ known, to proclaim him to those people. And do this, do this in the context of a church. Do this with your grow group, right? Maybe as your grow group meets this next week, you guys need to strategize and plan and say, hey, how not just as we as individuals are we going to be evangelizing, but maybe as a group we should evangelize together. Maybe there's someone in our grow group that their kids are on a sports team. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm older. I don't have kids of that age, but I'm going to go to those activities. I'm going to be faithfully going to those, those basketball games or those soccer games or, or whatever it might be, not because their kid's the greatest athlete and I want to watch them, right? But so that I can come alongside a brother and we can be witnessing together to the people, the other parents, right? That we as a group, we're saying, hey, we're going to go to all these games and we're going to get to know all these other parents and we're going to invite them into our homes and have them over for dinner so that we can share the gospel, with them, right? We should be doing this in smaller groups together, right? We need to plan and we need to pray. We need to pray, right? Paul writes, even in the, in the first part of chapter 10, as he's talking about these Israelites, he said, my heart's desire and prayer for God is that they may be saved, right? Those people that you write down on that list, right? Commit to regularly praying that God would be gracious to save them, right? Pray for that every day. Right, pray for that as you're driving in your car to work. Be praying through the list of people that, that sit in the cubicles around you right, or in the offices around you that you're going you're gonna to bump into. Be praying for them to be saved. Students who go to class, right, be praying for the people that you sit next to in class as you're walking into that class. Be praying that God would use even something in this class to draw the conversation to Jesus Christ where you could explain the gospel to them. We're going to be praying for boldness, right? We, we need to maybe in our grow groups get together this week and say, hey, this is an area we need to grow in. We need to pray for God to make us bold. God has not given us the spirit of timidity where we would hide and not make the gospel known. God, is, God has given us his spirit that wants to make the gospel known. Right, let's pray for boldness, right? You want to see earthquakes here in Texas? Get together and pray for boldness, right? The, the early church in Acts prayed for boldness and the house shakes. And then they go out and they faithfully and boldly proclaim the gospel. That may not happen with you, but be, we need to be praying for that. We need to be praying for God to work. And the last thing is that, is that we've, got, we've got to do it, right? We, we've got to, this can't be something where we learn more about evangelism and we don't say, okay, hey, this, this week I'm going to actually go out and be praying for God to work in my heart. Right, I'm actually going to be going out with eyes open to look at people that God wants me to share the gospel with. As you guys saw Dylan's testimony uh, this morning. I remember that earlier that day, right, that Dylan got saved on a Sunday, a Sunday night. And I remember earlier that morning, I was sitting in my office with six young ladies in our church, right, probably most of them of junior high age, right. And as I'm sitting there, you know, sitting in my office and across the desk, I see looks of terror on their faces, right, because they have realized that they are going to be talking in front of other people. Right? And, and it's just like, well, we are, we are freaking out. And I remember saying to them, hey, one of the reasons you should be able to overcome this fear is you can be excited about the ways that God can use your testimony to work in the heart of someone else. Right? And, and these girls, like, were, it was awesome. Right? They, they you know, powerfully shared their testimonies, and they were clear demonstrations of the gospel and what God has done, and God uses that that night to save Dylan. Right? And even since we filmed Dylan's testimony, that's been used by the Lord in other people's lives. Right? That if you're looking for a place to start, talk about what God has done in your life with someone else that doesn't know Christ. Right? If you're a Christian, you should know how you became a Christian. Right? And you should be able to share that with someone else. And I hope that today, maybe you feel like, oh, Billy's laid the guilt trip on us. But I hope even more than that, that you've been inspired by what God is able to do through the gospel. Uh, next month will mark the 40th anniversary of my dad becoming a Christian. Um, you guys, many of you know my dad. He's, he spoke here a few months ago and, and preached. He's a pastor of a church over in San Antonio. And uh, I, sorry, I always get choked up when I, when, I, when I share this. But 40 years ago, he's a college student 
on USC, the, the USC campus in Southern California, this pagan university in this pagan land, right? And he's a guy that's never been, never been to church, never heard the gospel, never even heard anybody talk about Jesus. And two guys who he doesn't know come up to him and say, hey, can, can we talk to you? My dad's got nothing better to do. And he says, he says sure. And they share the gospel with him. These two guys are not impressive guys. They, they're, they're, they're just normal people like you and me, but they're armed with the gospel. And they want to proclaim it. They want to make it known to a guy like my dad. And right there at USC, my dad gets saved, right? And everything changes in my dad's life. That he, he would have said before that that golf was his God, right? Those of you guys who are a part of our golf tournament, you'll get to hear him share his testimony even more powerfully than I can. And now, and, and now that changes, right? That golf is no longer what he lives for, that God is what he lives for. And he starts witnessing to the other guys on his golf team that, that think he's this weird, crazy, you know, crazy guy. Right? And, and so he, he starts getting involved in a church, and he starts pursuing on-campus Bible studies. Boom, he meets Roberta Blakey. Well, Roberta Olson at that time, right? She becomes Roberta Blakey. Boom. He has three kids, Bobby, Billy, and Ben, right? My older brother, uh, myself, and my, and my younger brother, right? I would not exist, right, if, if these two guys had... I would not exist if these two guys had not gone to my dad and shared the gospel with him. And even this last weekend at our winter camp, it was a very special thing to have my brother say, okay, hey, look at this. My, my dad came on Saturday morning. My brother brought him up on stage. And he said, okay, two guys share the gospel with my dad 40 years ago. Look where we are today. Right Here we are. Right? My, my dad is the pastor of a church that's sending their students, right, sending 75 people to winter camp with us. Right? My brother's speaking, making the gospel clearly known. Right? I, I'm running the camp. Right, my other brother's a pastor in Southern California, a worship, a worship pastor there, right? And, and to see that the ripple effects of the gospel, that 40 years later, God's still using what those two guys did to make his name known. So think about this week, right? You, you go into your workplace. You're going to, sorry, get choked up here, right? Uh, but you're going to your school, Right? You may not think, hey, God's able to do very much with me just simply talking about the gospel with someone else. But you don't know whose kids, right? whose kids' kids are going to be hearing about the gospel because, sorry, because we were faithful to share it. So let's, let's pray. God, Lord, you are, Lord, in your mercy. And in your grace, God, you have decided, uh, Lord, to make your name glorious and to make your mercy known through the, through the proclamation of this good news about your son, Jesus Christ, God. And we as a people, we want to come and we want to say thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to die for us. And God, I, I pray that, that today, as, as we've heard, Lord, from your word, that, that people will not call upon the name of the Lord and be saved unless they're, they're believing in him and hearing about him and unless God's people are proclaiming the good news about him and unless we as a church are being sent into the area in which we live. So God, I pray that, that Lord, that you would ignite within us, Lord, uh, further ignite within us a, a great passion for the lost, Lord, as you have compassion for sinners. Lord, give us that same love for them, Lord, cause us to see um, our need for growth in this area. And God, ignite us with great confidence in the power of the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, so, so that we cannot help but talk about it with other people. Lord, do a work in our midst, we pray, so that many more trust in you. So that many more, Lord, uh, see you as the great and glorious God that you are. As you deserve to be seen, God. As you are worthy to be worshipped and praised. Lord, we ask your help in this. In your name we pray, amen.